You're listening to a podcast by Lance Lambert Ministries. For more information on this ministry, visit lancelambert.org or follow us on social media to receive all of our updates. This is the fourth episode in our season of testimonies from brothers and sisters, some of which were given at Halford House. These testimonies are being shared in preparation for the release of Let the House of God Be Built, the story and testimony of Halford House. Lance Lambert wrote this book to document the lessons learned in the Lord and the miraculous provision of the Lord to those who met at this house on Halford Road. The audiobook for Let the House of God Be Built will be released at the end of April. In this episode, we will hear Brother Stephen Kong share his testimony of how he came to the Lord in China. This testimony was shared at Halford House. Let's listen. sake of some of the young people here, I think I'll be happy to fellowship with you in this matter, but uh, I don't know within such a short time whether I'm able to tell you what I feel I should. Uh, I was brought up in a Christian family. Of course, uh, I came from a a large Chinese family, uh, four generations living in one house uh, with all the uncles and aunts together. Uh, And uh, my father was the first one who came to the Lord. Uh, He was sent to a mission school in the very early days where, when uh, missionaries came and opened up the schools and my grandfather sent my father there to study English uh, because he was in construction business and he had business with uh, Europeans, with foreigners. And there my father was led to the Lord and he suffered uh, greatly because of his faith in the Lord. At that time, it was considered a disgrace to the family if anyone should trust in the Lord. Only the very poorest, uh, well, became so-called rice Christians, uh, but uh, certainly not others. So I do thank the Lord that uh, I was born to a Christian family. And my father loved the Lord very much. I was brought up, therefore, in such an environment, uh, studied in uh, mission schools and uh, attended Sunday school and so on and so forth. And uh, we had family worship every day. My father always gathered us together. He read the Bible and prayed for us. So I was privileged to grow up in such an atmosphere. But I have to say that I had no desire for the Lord when I was young. I never questioned Christian faith. If anyone should ask me at that time if I believe in God, certainly I do. If I believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, of course I do. I had no question. And yet I had no desire as a youngster for the Lord. Uh, 
I remember when we were in, I was in high school. Being a mission school, we had to go to church on Sunday. We marched into the church. That building was filled with us. And uh, we marched in, but uh, I don't know who had the desire to listen to the preacher. The way that we usually do is we took the large hymn book in our hands and look at it, but inside the hymn book usually there is a novel or something like that. <laughs> Just because we are, uh, we are forced to do that. And I, uh, not different from the other youngsters, I did the same thing. Uh, there wasn't any desire, no need. Then when I was uh, a junior in high school, I, uh, I got sick. I was very ill, almost dying. And of course my father prayed for me, and in my desperation I prayed too because I knew I was not ready to die. I was very afraid to die because I don't know what will happen next. Or may I say, I, I, I did know what will happen next. So I wasn't ready for it. I prayed, my father prayed for me, and uh, at that time such kind of disease has no medical aid. Uh, it was just a matter of nursing and see whether you could pull through or, through or not. So after several months, I gradually recovered. And naturally, being brought up uh, in such a Christian environment, I had a natural desire in my heart. I felt that it was God who healed me. And I must show my appreciation of him. It was that desire in me. I must show my appreciation. I must do something for him. So when the school opened, a classmate of mine came to me and said, now could we start something in our school? A, a, a prayer meeting or a Bible study or something? Now it, uh, of course I jumped at it. I said, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to show my appreciation of God. So we began to organize a kind of uh, voluntary uh, meetings in school. We asked permission to use the library after supper and before the night class and we used to knock at the doors in the dormitories and, and urge our friends to, to come and join us. Both teachers and, and students began to come. Now of course the difficulty was someone had to lead a meeting. So I can still remember that before I was converted I led a prayer meeting. The way I, I, I did it, of course, my father has a lot of books, and they are good books on prayer. <laughs> and many, many incidents of how God answered prayer. So, of course, I just went to my father's study and took, took a book and read something on prayer. And that night, I can still remember, uh, I began to uh, tell these people how God answered prayer. And I related incidents after incidents to prove to them that God was a God, prayer answered, answering God. 
Now, after that, I asked everybody to kneel down and pray. And the natural thing happened was, after we knelt down, some people began to laugh because it was so, so, so strange to them. Uh, I don't remember if any of us at that time was really born again. So when some began to laugh, of course, being the chairman uh, of that prayer meeting, I had to scold them. <laughs> I reprimanded them very severely that it was before God we shouldn't do such a thing. Uh, and I, I also preached before I was saved. We had someone to preach to them. So I, I can still remember the first message I ever gave before I was saved. And not too difficult. I went into my father's study. And, <laughs> and uh, find, find, find a book on sermons. And uh, I translated the whole thing into Chinese. And I memorized them. I could still remember the topic, Norse Ark. <laughs> and I remember I gave that message uh, to those who were there. And uh, after I delivered the message, I felt uh, quite proud of it. I felt that I had done well, but nobody praised me. And it was a disappointment to me. <laughs> so this was the way it began. On the one hand, I began to be very zealous in serving God. Yet the strangest thing happened. Before I had any idea of serving God, I always considered myself as better than others. I, I, I was not perfect. I knew that. But I always felt that I was better than the rest. In a sense, I was not a bad student. From the teacher down to the workers in the school, all my schoolmate classmates, we were all, all were all on friendly terms. So I, I felt that I was, I had no need of the city. I had no idea of what sin was. But as I began to serve God, a strange feeling came to me. Nobody preached to me. It just came to me, a sense of the sinfulness of my sin. Outwardly, I was much better even than before. And yet, deep down within my conscience, I was way low with the sense of my sin. Sometimes when I was alone, I cried over my sin. I was a young boy at that time, 15. But the sense of my sin was so great within me. I had no rest. Wherever there was an evangelistic campaign or meeting, I was there. 
Even during the time of examination, I didn't care. I must be saved. That was one thing I wanted. For a whole year, I traveled to this place and to that place. I listened to famous preachers, some world famous. I went up to the front many times. I wept there. And I came home and nothing happened. For a whole year, it was like this. I read the Bible very faithfully. I prayed every day. I went to church. I preached. I served God. People look at me and say, well, this young man was was a good Christian. But I knew I was not saved. In 1930, the summer came, and I attended a summer conference with the one desire to be saved. I went there, I lived there, and a few days passed, and I was still unsaved. I saw people went up to the altar and came out radiant. I admired, but I didn't have such experience. <laughs> so one morning, I remember I was in my room. I I I couldn't say that I was praying, but I thought I was praying. Somehow I was talking to God. I said, God, why is it that other people get saved so easily? And it's so hard for me. Is it because I know too much? Is it because I preach to others? Is it that I'm gospel-hardened? So I tell God, now God, save me this time. If you don't, I don't want you anymore. There's no hope. I'll turn my back. And thank God, that very afternoon, he met me. I went to the meeting, and the preacher preached on John 3.16, which I know by heart. Very simple preaching. I could do that at that time and he just emphasized on one word believe I listened to him I said that's right just believe that's all you need to do <laughs> so when he finished preaching he asked people to go to the front and knelt there and pray. I said well I've been there many times I didn't need to go anymore so I just knelt by my seat. A preacher came to me and prayed with me and said, I want you to go to the front. Well, I said, well, it's all right. I'll go to the front. So I went there. I started to pray. I wept again before the Lord. I really wanted to be saved. But after I finished praying, nothing happened. I look around. The meeting was over. 
as I walked out, a preacher saw me. He came to me and he said, are you saved? He thought I was saved because I went. I told him, I hope I will be saved. Everybody was gone, just that preacher and myself in that old empty hall. So he began to talk with me and he said, do you believe the Bible? I said, from my childhood. He opened the Bible to 1 John 1, 9 and said, if we confess our sin, God is faithful and righteous. He will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all our righteousness, unrighteousnesses. And he said, do you believe this word? I said, of course I do. All right, put your name in. Make it personal. If so-and-so confess his sin, God is faithful and righteous. He will forgive so-and-so's sin and cleanses so-and-so's unrighteousness. So he asked me to read it twice, I remember. And he said, take the word of God and pray. I prayed many, many times. I knelt down there. In simple faith, I said, Lord, I took you. I take you. I confess my sin. I begin to tell him what my sins are. And I say, Lord, you know, there are many things I cannot recall, but you know it. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Save me. I believe in you. The Spirit of God worked that day. Somehow, it was done. I do not know how because I prayed many times before. Maybe more earnestly. <clears throat> and yet nothing happened. I was always looking for something to happen. Either I saw a great light from heaven. Like Paul. Then I knew I was saved. If I just believe and nothing happened, how could I know that <clears throat> he has saved me? I was always looking for some evidence, some proof. But somehow that afternoon, I didn't want any evidence. I felt I just believed him. If he saved me, good. If he not saved me, I'll die in believing him. I don't care. And it happened. As I got up from my knees, I knew God has saved. So that preacher asked me, Are you saved? I said, I am saved. <laughs> he said, How do you know you are saved? That's a good question. <laughs> well, I said, I've, I have such peace in my heart. And that's true. For a whole year, I was under a heavy load of my sin. And now I can fly. I have such peace in my heart. I still have it. After so many years. He is a wise soul. He said, think again.
And suddenly it dawned upon him. I said, I know I'm saved because God says so. He said, that's right. That's the right thing. And I remember I went back to my room that day, opened up my Bible, and began to read. And it's a new book to me. I love it. And of course, during those days, I don't know if they are still doing now, they may. Usually on the last day of a, a, a campaign or a conference, uh, will be a day of uh, consecration. The preacher will, will, will hammer on this matter of consecration. And by consecration, it means that you must offer yourself to be a pastor or a missionary. So, at the close of that conference, the preacher started to hammer upon those audience this matter of consecration. Now, you must consecrate yourself Offer your body and be a pastor, a minister, or a Bible uh, teacher, or a missionary. And you must do that. And of course, I was so touched by the grace and mercy of God. What else can I do? So when the preacher preached on that, of course, I was ready for it. And he had a large map of China at the back of the platform. And he said, anyone who wanted, who wants to offer himself to serve the Lord, come up to the platform. Point your finger at the place you choose. And there you can go later to serve the Lord. I talk to myself. I must serve. I must go to the Father's place. I must serve in the most difficult situation to prove my love to him. So I walk up, I point my finger at Mongolia. <laughs> I'm serious. I did that in all seriousness. After that day for a whole year, I prepare myself for it. I try to get any and every book on Mongolia. I read them. I wanted to know Mongolia. I prayed every day for Mongolia. I set my mind on going to Mongolia. I even was going to study in the North China so that I could have contact with Mongolians. I felt that I must go there to serve. Of course, I came home and once again, four of us started meetings in our school and at that time everything was different because the four of us were all same people two teachers and two seniors i was senior at that time so we met together and we had prayer meetings 
we had Bible study. We had we invited famous preachers to preach to us, and the Lord began to bless. Many came to the Lord. We went out to the villages to preach, and I was on fire. By his grace, I went out to see fishing this afternoon, and I recall many years ago, after I was saved, we did the same thing. We were standing on the streets, pulling people in, sometimes by force. <laughs> Well, that was a very happy year with good fellowship with the youngsters of my age and others, and I joined myself to many evangelistic activities in my city. When the year was over, I graduated from high school. Of course, I had no desire to go to college. To university, I felt it was just a waste of time. I must prepare myself to serve God, and the only way I knew how to prepare myself was to go to a Bible school. How could you serve God if you if you do not go to a Bible school or or theological seminary? That was the only way I knew. So I pick up pick out my own Bible school. Which I considered as the best, and after I had prepared everything, I talked to my father. I thought certainly there would be no problem, because my father loved the Lord very much. Actually, he was a Methodist pastor, so I thought there would be no problem. He would be、uh, too glad, or in a sense, even when I was a child. My parents told me that when I was a child, somehow they they all thought that I would be a preacher. But when I talked to my father, my father objected. My father said, "No, you cannot go to the Bible school now. There is no Bible school or theological seminary in China." That is good, to his standard. He said, "You go to college, finish your university, and then I'll send you to United States of America to study theology." And of course, at that time, and back in the Orient, it was the custom for us to obey our parents. No matter what, so I had to obey. Oh, it was a a great blow to me because I had everything planned how to serve God, and now everything was shattered. But I believe God knew what He was doing. He overruled everything, and I could see the wisdom of my father afterwards. So I was sent 
to another city to study. And when I went to that university, I was so downhearted, I thought it was a waste of four years. How could I waste four years in doing such things? I didn't know what to study. I had no interest in studying. So I just picked up anything. And I thought, well, maybe that's good. So I made in something. But my heart was not. And it was during that period, as I mentioned on Saturday night, that the Lord began to deal with me. In loneliness, in quietness, the Lord began to speak to my heart. I had very little fellowship with other Christians. There was none. Every day I shut myself in my room for hours on my knees, praying, reading the word. That was my only comfort. And during these first year of year, the Lord began to speak to me. All the outward activities were stopped. Well, not exactly. But there wasn't so much activity outside. But the Lord began to deal with me inwardly. The Lord began to open my eyes to see things that I would never see if I was left in the environment that I chose myself. I would never see it. Gradually, the Lord began to lead me from one thing to another until I could not follow the Lord in the way that I knew before. The Lord has pushed me out to a new and unconventional way of following the Lord. I will not go into details. But during the last two years, in my college years, a few of us began to meet in the simplicity of Christ. The Lord began to bless us. Many young people were added. We grew from seven to over 90 people. We rent a place. And we have many meetings. And somehow the responsibility, the major part of the responsibility, fell on me. I can still remember that I usually was the first to arrive, to open the door, to prepare the chairs, to greet the people, to lead the scene, to start the meeting, to do the preaching, to send them off, to close the door. <laughs> During the last two years of my college years, I was so busy with the Lord's work. Aside from attending classes, I spent most of our time outside, doing visiting and preparing for meetings and so forth. 
And of course, my mother got worried. She thought that I could never pass. But the Lord was gracious to me. I do thank the Lord. It was during these two years. that we suffered much from the hand of the Christian world. We were just a small group of people, mostly young ones. And yet it roused such an adverse interest in the Christian world of that city that all the Christian groups, denominations, schools, and so forth, they held three days meeting to discuss us. My father, of course, was the target. He was well known. He was actually the chairman of the board of trustee of that university. And he was there. He became the target. They said, you had such a son. But my father was very wise. He answered with the words of Gamaliel. If it is of the Lord, don't touch it. You will be touching the Lord. If it is of man, it will disappear. He suffered a lot for me. But when he came home, he never said a word. He told me he trusted me. Of course, indirectly, he tried to find out whom I was with. But he trusted me. He said, I believe you are following the Lord. He trusted me completely. He gave me complete freedom. So for these two years, we went through a great deal. And I have to thank the Lord that these were two very precious years. I live literally in prayers. And in 1935, of course, I graduated. Before I graduated, I had to face my future. I knew in my heart that I must serve her. But at that time I drew back for two reasons. One was I felt that I was not equipped for it. I read my Bible, yes, but I had never been to a Bible school. I didn't know the Word of God enough. I needed time to study the Bible, to be equipped before I can step up. And the second reason is, was my love for that local company was so great that I couldn't leave them. I felt that I must be with them for another year. You know, there were not many brothers in that local company, mostly sisters. 
So I decided before God that uh, I, I, at least I needed another year. I tried to find employment in that city, but of course, I won't be able to find any employment in the Christian circle because there was a decision that none who came to our meeting will be employed by them, and some were literally kicked out. And some students had to sign not to come to us if they wanted to continue to study. But it was during that time when the school was over. Brother Ni in Shanghai and Brother Li, which some of you know, whom some of you know, they felt that I should join them in the work of God. So, Brother Lee took the train and came down to see me. He said, you must come to Shanghai. We feel that you should join us. And he was going back to the North China. And Brother Lee was not very, not, not, not healthy. So, they wanted me to go immediately. He argued with me and he said, I will not go. I will not leave until you promise to go. So I said, oh, all right, I promise. I promise to come to Shanghai, but I don't promise you how long I will stay there. I kept my promise. I went to Shanghai and after a week, I was back. <laughs> It was during that time one incident happened. A young brother. Of course, I was young then too. But a young brother. Just graduated from junior high, whom I love very much. Because there was only a few brothers. And if they are few, they are more precious. I love that young brother very much. After school, he went out with a few schoolmates to swim in the river, and he was drowned. His parents were not in that city, so they notified me, and I had to prepare for his funeral until his parents arrived. And after I had sent his body to the cemetery, I came home. And for whom I couldn't say. I argued with God. I said, Lord, you know we have only a few brothers. How can you take away one? And especially one so young. It didn't look right to me. I argued the whole night. I couldn't sleep. And the next morning, I shut myself in a room, continued my argument with God. I just couldn't accept that fact. I was asking God, why? Why? 
Why did you do that? Why did you allow such a thing to happen? It shouldn't happen. And as I was kneeling there praying and arguing, suddenly the Lord began to speak to me. The Lord said, Do you want to serve me? I said, Yes. But not for another year. After another year. The Lord said, Do you see that young brother? He didn't have another year. He was gone. He died for you. I began to see it. I say, Lord, if this is what thou you want to speak to me, all right, I'll go. So I sought out my father. It happened that my father was the only one in the house. So I told him what had happened. And my father said, son, I knew all the time that the Lord has called you. We knelt down to him. He committed me to him. He said, I do not care if you do not go my way. So long as you serve God, I'm happy. So he committed me to the Lord. And a few days later, and that was the way that I began to join our brothers in this work. May you be obedient to the Lord, even in costly things. May you know the deep, deep love of Jesus.